0: On prayer, which is our number one core principle in this congregation, or core value. And last week, just going through here, last week and today we're going to be talking about the active involvement of the Holy Spirit and an overall atmosphere of grace, and we're going to do it in 35 minutes. So, um, which is, as you know, nigh on impossible in terms of such a huge, huge topic that we're engaged in. But we are going to introduce the subject and have some, some consideration of it. Our principle, number two, of the congregation says that the active involvement of the Holy Spirit is essential for our own guidance and our ability to help the hurting and the troubled. It is essential in teaching and conversion. The Holy Spirit will direct us towards God's purpose. If you're a member of this congregation, then you at least acknowledge and one hopes, believes, and adheres to the core values of the congregation, and this is our second core value. And you might look at that and saying, and I'm going to get to, No, Bruce has just disappeared. That's okay. Um... You may sit there and think, the Holy Spirit, I mean, I'm, I'm really not sure. I mean, spirit is a difficult topic to understand. We may articulate this in theory, but in application, that's a different matter. We understand how to encourage one another in prayer. We talked about that three weeks ago and four weeks ago in terms of, we understand the structure of praying. But what about encouraging the involvement of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit, or the Spirits, depending on on which Scripture you're using? How might we do this? I mean, Spirit. We use the Word, but... Have you ever seen the Spirit? To give you an idea of how significant this is within Scripture, We look at the word prayer and we would, none of us would deny the significance of prayer and yet it's mentioned 165 times against the word spirit that in the New Testament alone is mentioned 370 times. Your spirit, what is it? How can we engage in it being such a core value of the congregation, and yet it's so difficult to articulate? We look at this and we, we, words like, capital H, capital S, Holy Spirit. Capital S, Spirit. And then there's small s, Spirit. And the translators of the scriptures have looked at these, and and they have put that capital S or small s in there, but they're all over the place. 370 times. The pneuma is spirit. That from whence we get the words pneumatic and pneumonia. And what does the word pneumatic and pneumonia have in common? What is, why do they use pneuma in those words? Any idea? Air... Or wind. That's the word "numa," And so the, the question arises, has anybody seen the wind? We see the results of the wind, but we cannot see the wind. And think about that for a moment. I mean, if I blow on you, you, can, you feel something, but you don't see anything. You see the devastation of the, of the storms that have occurred in recent weeks. You see unbelievable forces. But nobody saw the wind. That's bizarre. And yet that is spirit, Numa, wind. And so as we look at this core principle, we're going to try and ask ourselves, what does that mean today in Maryville? What does it mean amongst us? We may even talk about prayer life with one another, but do we ask of each other's spirits? And if we did, what would it mean? What would we be saying? And yet, we hold this as the number two core value of our congregation. And we wouldn't doubt its importance. Well, this is what we're going to try and do in the next half an hour. We're going to overview numerous passages, what it is, what it isn't, other interesting references. We're going to briefly review some comments by N.T. Wright on Galatians 5. And we're going to make personal application to what we're doing here. And then we're going to apply the the third core principle, that of grace being around us. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And I think now everybody's just about in and it's quietened out. I've got your attention. So hold on tight. We're going to look at some spirit. This is the spirit. If you were to turn to your Bibles and you start flipping through, this is what you read of the word spirit. Capital S, small s, Holy Spirit. This is what it is. We can tell that the spirit may cause some to speak in tongues that the spirit ...can cause some to prophesy, see visions and dream dreams, and may cause some to speak with wisdom. That the Spirit may give some the power to heal. And the Spirit served Paul in preaching and witnessing. Were engaged in the Spirit. Paul believed that there were spiritual gifts that could make them strong. He desired to transfer by the Spirit... Gifts that would make them strong and the Spirit somehow represents how we serve. The Spirit can bring life and peace. Spirit can bring life to our mortal bodies. It helps us in our weakness. It can dis- display zeal and fervor. It can fill us with joy and peace. And overflow with hope. the spirit, spirit, can know your thoughts. In fact, it knows your thoughts. and it may appear, may appear with discipline or with gentleness. The spirit is resident in our bodies. The spirit can be refreshed, can be refreshed by others. Paul speaks about being refreshed by others' spirit. It can bring as be a spirit of faith, or it can be also refreshing again to others, as it was to Titus. Titus also speaks about being refreshed by others' spirits in his spirit. It can appear as wisdom or revelation again. Can be joined with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can be kept blameless along with the soul and body. The Spirit can give us power and love and self-discipline, as Timothy says. We didn't receive a spirit of timidity and weakness, but rather one of power and love and self-discipline and may be experienced as ministering angels. It goes on to say in 1 Peter... The Spirit can have an unfading, gentle, and quiet beauty. It confirms God's presence in us. It can be tested. It can be be substantiated, one Spirit within us. And the Spirit will acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And that's probably six months studying, if you want to substantiate all that information. But we say that spirit is a core value of our congregation. Do we contemplate the incredible breadth of what that amounts to? But the spirits are not all good. We can read in Acts 16 that some spirits predict the future and of sufficient concern to Paul that he actually cast them out. Spirit of evil. Spirit of some behavior that wasn't of God. The spirits, indeed, can be evils, called as evil. Can overpower us and even beat us up. Story in Acts where evil spirits overpowered them and beat them up, a group of people. In later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Some spirits will deny Jesus. When you're in the presence of somebody who just says, I don't believe a word about God, do we see that as an opinion to which they have a right? Or do we look upon them realizing that there's a spirit of work in them that is not of God? Then there's some reflective spirits, where the scripture says Paul says the spirit prevented him from preaching. You'd say, why on earth would God do anything that would stop his word being spread, but that's what happened. There are times in our life that we may feel blocked in something. Do we ponder this to be a spiritual element or just an inconvenience in our lives? We can read, read in Acts 21 that the Spirit urged against something. The Spirit urged them to encourage Paul not to go up to Jerusalem, but it happened anyway. Hmm. The Pharisees believed in spirits. I thought they were all like foolish people. But no. They were wise people. They just didn't believe in Jesus. But the Pharisees did believe in spirits. Paul says that the law is spiritual. The law. Wait a minute. I thought we were away from the law. We're done with law. How can the law be spiritual? It is not our spirits. Is it not our spirits that live in turmoil? The writer says. There is a spirit of God and there's our spirit. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Ponder that for a moment. God's spirit, our spirit's, What's going on here? There can be spirits of stupor, eyes that do not see, ears that do not hear. The spirit can be contaminated. Have you ever thought of contaminated spirits? It can be grieved. It can be quenched. It can be separated from the soul. The Spirit has departed a dead body and is jealously longed for by God. Isn't that beautiful? To think that there's something in you that you cannot see and yet there is evidence of it. Kind of like gravity. Can anybody... Is anybody experiencing, can you see gravity this morning? And yet it is imposing its its power on every one of us. It's what holds you in your seats and me on my feet. Gravity. We do not see it. And yet it's there and a part of us. Things to ponder. So we're going to move to Galatians 5, 1626. 1626 says this, very familiar passage. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Hmm. So, you know, I didn't preamble this. um, There was quite a lot of activity going on at the beginning when we started. But I was going to say, you know, I've said a number of times in presenting classes that I have little right to speak about prayer because I understand it so little. I believe in it, but to teach it is a different matter. But we try. Together we try and trust that God will guide us. And this topic would be exactly the same. I have little or no right to stand up here, present any thought in terms of what is the Spirit. And so where I go to is, I mean, if you said, what do you understand by the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm really not sure. Maybe this, maybe that, I'm really not sure. But, I do cling to the scriptures that are clear. So if Paul and Jesus say, pray, like, we don't have to get confused about that. We don't have to ask ourselves, I'm really not sure about whether I should pray. Like, is that really part of the Christian life? It's pretty easy to see that. And so I do the same thing with the scripture of spirits. What can we know about Spirit and substantiate in 2017 and see it for what it is? So this scripture lends to that. When he says, so I say, Paul is pretty clear, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. There's something about us that has a conflict... And we all know that. We felt that in our lives. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we find ourselves in in states of turmoil. That may not be the word that you'd use, but that's what it amounts to, an anxiety. They're in conflict with each other so that they are not... They do not... Sorry, that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. He goes on to say then, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't need a lot of interpretation. You could reflect on different elements about it, but the broad measure about that, you could hand that to a third-party non-believer and say, what do you read by that? And they'd probably come up with the basic conclusion, don't do these things. Don't get embroiled in them. Then he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is... No law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Well, let's pull this apart a little bit. So, what N.T. Wright suggests... If you don't know N.T. Wright, kind of a deep theologian, student of scripture, provocative in his reflections. Now, what Galatians 5 is talking about is the angst, if you like, the tension between vice and virtue. What he's been talking about up till then is the freedom found in Christ, the freedom in our lives as Christians. But, there's a tension. And the tension is between vice and virtue. And so, he goes on to consider this. He says, walk by the Spirit. If I'm going to just follow that instruction, I'm going to have to ponder I'm gonna to have to consider spirit. Walk by the spirit. And, and, and don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Gratifying the desires of the flesh. The things we just kind of like. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Do we ponder our fleshly desires and the tension that occurs between them and our spirits? The spirit, contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other. Hmm. What of this life is in conflict with my spirit? So that we are not to do whatever we want for our spirit's sake. But if we're led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. And yet, there can be a tension. So, then he talks, he brought, brings it out a little bit more. And he says, well, what are these things about the flesh? I mean, I don't feel, I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. I try to live a good life, try to apply the principles of Jesus. So what would be these acts of the flesh that could separate me from my spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, haste, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like, Ah, don't really do too many. Well, some of those sometimes may be But I'm not a big proponent of some translations, and and I don't typically read the message. But I thought, especially for those younger in our audience, who might look at these and say, Hmm, debauchery. What's debauchery? Um, What are some of these dissensions and factions? Well, this is what the, uh, the translator of the message, how they put it. Remember, this is the writer speaking, Paul. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Hmm. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. This is straight out of the message. I didn't rewrite this. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket guards, magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper, an impotence of to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. Are you beginning to get a contemporary picture? The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Do we ponder the things that we're addicted to? I'm not an addict. Oh, well, sometimes there's some Evidences of addictions to things that I really do love and wouldn't want to be without. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on, the writer says. The acts of the flesh that separate us from our spirits. Sorry. There we go. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not part of our spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those words, except for forbearance, perhaps patience could be put in there. Many of us would have learned it as patience. But they're kind of still, to look at the message, I just thought out of curiosity, I wonder what he says about the good things. And he writes it this way. This isn't the first time that I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? What happens when we embrace our spirit and spirits? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. That's the message. But the, the writer in the NIV goes on this way. He says, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this beautiful line. And he says, against such things there is no law. There is no law against growing our spirit. And when I when I was preparing for this and I, I looked at that line and I thought, you know, all my life in my career I have never had somebody say to me, I'm gonna report you, I'm I'm gonna report you to the regulator because you you are not kind enough. You are not faithful enough. You're not good enough. You will never be accused of being too much of one of these. Even self-controlled. People may object to it because they're not, because you are. But we will never be held accountable for loving too much. For being too happy. Makes people sick around us sometimes, but nonetheless... There is no law against these things, which is just fascinating. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. When we struggle, when we, when we have anxieties within us because of the tension between what my body wants to do and what my spirit wants to do, do we remind ourselves, Kevin, before God, remember, you crucified your body. Metaphorically, yes. But you gave your life to Christ and put to death its passions or desires. The trouble is, like one of those fairground games, our flesh keeps popping up and we keep trying to beat it down because sometimes we don't give our flesh a mortal blow we just wound it and that's burdensome since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit and then he just tucks in this line let us not become conceited Provoking, envying each other. Ponder. By the time I get to the end, a reflection. But do we provoke each other? Do we cause jealousies amongst each other? Do we cause envying and strife? Are we responsible sometimes for the ill behavior in others? We might ponder. So N.T. Wright, again, talks about vice and virtue. Vice is unintentional. Vices are not done on purpose. Unintended, involuntary, unwitting, unthinking, unpremeditated, unconscious. And you might say, wait a minute, Kevin... Anybody that's living the life of the flesh, they know exactly what they're doing. Oh, they do. But they drifted into it. They stumbled into it. They walked headlong into it. The thing is, it's a drawing into. As against virtues which require intentionality. Deliberate purposeful. And I I want to show a a picture of something, but I'm glad, John, you're sitting at the back and you have no idea I'm going to ask you this question, but I was hoping that you would be here this morning. John, when you were a pilot, I mean, I know there's a lot, those are days long, long ago, and you've probably forgotten most of what was going on in that, you know. But what's the difference, can you in 30 seconds say, what's the difference between a plane coming down and a plane going up, taking off? That's that. Well, you know what? That's good enough. That's exactly the point. If a plane is coming down, all you've got to do is... St- I'm sorry, John, you did more than this. But all, all you've got to do is steer it right. It's going to come down. It's going to get to the ground. That's a vice. You don't have to steer it. It'll steer you. But a plane taking off, it's got to be intentional. It, it's got to, you've got to plan it and it's got to rise and you're gonna, you're gonna oppose gravity. You're gonna oppose the flesh. And so we get this great picture of this idea that you've got two identities of your life in terms of, are you just coming to earth? Or are you taking off? And constantly elevating and growing. So how do we do that? How do you do that? And I'm going to let you ponder that because like prayer, each one of us would consider how do we protect and enrich our souls? And our spirits. The spirit within us. There are things we can do. How do we develop self-control? That's, in a sense, what we're talking about. We may inspect our lives. Do we get away, you know... Kelly was talking in the lesson in prayer, the idea that Jesus got away. Do we inspect our lives? We may contemplate self-discipline. And if you break that word out, it's it's an interesting word, because self-discipline is a sense self-discipling. And we know that to be a disciple is to be one who follows But what is it that we are self-discipling? What is it that you are focused on? And do you think of yourself as being self-discipling? Do we contemplate the fact that our life is not just washing here and there, like James says, like a wave, undecided, going every which way, or... Do we self-discipline, discipling ourselves? Do we care? Do we look at ourselves with concern? Do we connect our little spirit with God's spirit? Do we seek wise counsel? Do we seek counsel at all? I wonder when we last went for counsel. We sought counsel. How foolish we are, really, when you think about it. How foolish we are in as an advanced world as we are. How little we seek help. Going to talk to people. We see it as a weakness and in search if I don't want to be weak. But what is that? It's all about pride. It's all about pride. Developing an intentional mindset. This idea of being applied in what we do. And creating accountability. God forbid. That's like a no-no word today. Nobody wants accountability. And yet accountability is a good thing. To, To hold ourselves to attention. This is what I'm trying to do. Will you hold me accountable? Well, how would you like me to hold you accountable? What would you expect? Well, perhaps this and this and this. Well, okay. I went to a a trainer type person, one of these physical, whatever they do, but they try and get you better physically the other day, just to have an examination of it. And I said, look, I can tell you right now, the single success of what you're suggesting is going to be a question of how accountable you keep me to be. Because I don't do this very well. What I need is accountability. I don't want it, but I need it. And yet so often we take in information. You will take in information this morning, but we won't hold ourselves accountable to it. And then producing healthier fruit. How do we produce healthier fruit? In your gardens or in your, some of you, garden and and in your life, how do you produce a good crop? Well, you prune it and you protect it and you fence it and you fertilize it. Do we do that with our lives? Protecting them? Do you ever think of fertilizing your spirit? Protecting it? My biggest, my biggest prayer for my family, my, my not biggest prayer, my singularly first prayer for my family and in fact for you if I think of you, it will be that God will fence you, that God will protect you through this struggle, that God will protect your soul and your spirit as you go through this tension. Maybe you'll get out alive, maybe you won't. Maybe you will die. Maybe you'll go bankrupt. Maybe you'll have all sorts of physical calamity. I'm sorry for you, but you know that can happen to so many. But dear God, protect your soul. That's the thing of greatest value. So the question of our core principle would be, we have a principle in this congregation that says, what is before you. Our ability To help the hurting and the troubled. Being essential in teaching and conversion. And being directed towards God's purpose. And then the question is, why? Why is this so important? What's going on? Don't turn the page too quickly. Why? Why be committed to this core value? So that you can tick it off and say on your report card to heaven, got that one, the core value? No. Now think about this. This part is really, really serious. We are the Calgary Church of Christ. If you're visiting us, we're happy to have you with us. The broad body of the group of people in here are members of this church in this place, and we are a group of people who believe in a sovereign God who has a plan for this world. Like I think we probably all believe that, and if you you might struggle with it, you might say, "Sovereign God, I'm not sure. I'm not sure." But fundamentally, this congregation, this is what we believe. We believe in Genesis one one. We believe there is a God. And He's a sovereign God and He has a plan. The second thing we believe is that God sent His one and only Son to die and who gives us the way, the truth and the life that was always intended. Do I understand it? No, but I believe it in faith. And I believe the people of this church believe this, unequivocally. Because we believe these things, you and I, because we believe that, those who do not will think that we're strange. You start talking about this in a big way at your work tomorrow and people will go, eh, avoid them. They just don't get it. They're good people. I was at a party last night with a bunch of friends. They're good people. And they may, may may touch on a belief in God, but they would look at this and go, you're weird to believe those things, especially if I really told them what I believe. Just to believe in God, they will think you are strange. But listen carefully. If they come to visit us here in Maryville, that we are even more strange than they thought. Because they will find in this place a group of people who love one another. You're joking. Love one another. That's amazing. There's a group of people. Can you, any of you go to your workplace tomorrow and go to a place where you'd say, you know what? We all love one another. You'll love working here. We love one another. Who are uncommonly joyful with each other and those around them. Like, what are you all happy about? Don't you know the news? Don't you know what's going on? It's cruddy. What is there to be joyful about? Oh, but at Merivale there can be joy. Who seem peaceful with each other throughout each day, regardless of the stresses of life. When we know sometimes we have troubles, but we're at peace, God's in control. I don't know how it's going to end. I really don't know what's going to be. Who are forbearing with each other and those around and patient with each other. They come to this place and it's patient. You're patient within each other. Nobody's patient today. We live in an impatient world and who are unusually kind to each other and anyone they see in need of kindness Why are you so kind to one another? It's crazy. Come to my work. You won't find that. Who seek goodness in all outcomes, both among each other and their work and in their work and play. Goodness. Somebody's, I've lost my clicker. Jonathan, stop messing around. There we go. We go back. Who are faithful in their friendships and uncommonly loyal to deal with. Are you loyal? Do you hold loyal to be, I want to be a loyal person who are faithful with their friendships and who are gentle with each other and their families and with all they come in contact with and who have a high degree of self-control whose word is good and trustworthy. Like, have you ever heard of such a group? Where would you go today to find that group? These people are, they're beyond humanity. That's what we can be. You see, love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance... Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That's what people should find here. And they should come here as visitors. Anybody searching for God, or searching for friendship, or whatever they're searching for. But the thing is, that is what they should find here. The Spirit. I don't know whether it's small s, big s, h, s, but the Spirit. Spirit. And that we are filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And it is completely embodied in the last 45 seconds within our core principle 3 of 9. And that being an overall atmosphere of grace. You see, this is what the core value says, is why we serve not because of duty or need to work, Our way into heaven, but because of the grace that God has poured out freely into our lives. Our acceptance of His grace and our desire to share grace with others will lead us to serve in an overall atmosphere of of grace. And this is the point. Not because we must nobody's going to force you nobody's going to force you to live by the spirit you're going to decide to anybody will let you drift into the gifts of the the the, the spirit of the flesh but in the spirit we will desire to live under grace next week well lost next week. We'll continue. Kelly will be introducing our four and five core principles, that of continuing de- continual dependence on Scripture and growing personal relationships with God. Thank you very much for your attention. I'm sorry we ran late.